Amen. Thank you so much, Reverend Jason, for that wonderful and warm introduction. Every time I hear my bio read, I often chuckle, like, I wrote that. Um, so it is good to hear um, your bio read back to me. And I'm appreciative of the invitation to come and be with you all this evening at the Manhattan Mennonite Fellowship, where I am blessed to be amongst so many um, wonderful people. I'm not going to be before us long. Um, my pastor often says, preach short, so they'll invite you back another time. Um, and I realized it is five o'clock somewhere. So that means we have things to do before we go to work in the, um, in the morning. So if we can all bow in prayer um, as we um, approach this moment of sacred reflection through sermonic reflection, let us pray. Gracious and wonderful God is once again that we approach your holy majesty just to tell you thank you. God, we thank you for the many ways you continue to bless us. God, we thank you for bringing us into another space, be it virtual, to bring you glory, to give you honor, and to give you praise. We ask God that you would decrease me and allow your presence and your spirit to increase. Allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And let all of us say, amen, 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 and amen. For this evening's worship, our text can be found in the book of Joel, chapter two, verses 25 through 28. Again, the book of Joel, chapter two, verses 25 through 28, and I will be lead, reading from the King James Version, and it reads this way. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men and daughters shall see visions. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be unto God. And for the next few moments that is ours, I would like to speak or preach from this particular subject, getting what you can't get back. Getting what you can't get back. We need your prayers. People of God, I have lived long enough and I have grown 
enough on this first journey to know that there are some people who are content with praying for houses and praying for cars and praying to acquire things that are associated with material wealth. And don't get me wrong, there is nothing with praying to God for the once in life. However, on the other hand, I truly believe that there are a few folks who are praying for peace. There are a few folks who are praying for a good night's rest. A few folks who have been praying for joy that only God can give. A few folks who have been praying for the ability to laugh again. A few folks who have been praying for God's love and kindness. A few folks who have been praying for favor because you understand and recognize that favor is more precious than life itself. These prayers are birthed out of a need to come in contact with the living Lord. That's why we assemble ourselves in worship because life can be so cruel that it puts us into a constant posture of prayer. Life can beat us up so much that sometimes the only thing we can utter out of our mouths is Jesus, keep me near the cross. And we somehow make our way to worship, to have an encounter with God, which is why I could never understand how some folks can come to church and sit down on God, if you will, because we understand and recognize that there are people somewhere who wish to be in our place, people somewhere who don't have access to God, who don't have access to a faith community of love, who don't have access to grace and mercy that only God can give. There are some people somewhere who really wish to be in our place because they do not have communities of folks who allow them to see the fullness that God can offer for them. That's why I love coming to worship because we join in with each other as a band of believers to let folks know that we serve a God who is good and good all the time. We serve a God who constantly looks beyond our fault and meet all of our needs. We we serve a God who loves each, every one of us unconditionally. That's why I love being in fellowship and, and communion with other people. Because when we band together as people, we allow God's goodness to be shown to everyone. That's also why I love the hymns of the church and understand that the hymns are sometimes and most of the time a vital part of our spiritual formation. And it's not just the lyrics, but it is the intentions of the hymn writers that wrote something that would speak well into the 
the, the future. These hymns were birthed out of an experience of our recent ancestors. These hymns came into fruition because somebody went through something and had enough hope to look into the unforeseeable future to a moment when they will come in contact with the living Lord. It is my belief that some of our ancestors knew that they will only come in contact with God on the other side of the Jordan. So they wrote these hymns with us in mind. That's why Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 13th verse from the NIV version states, all these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So I, as a faith believer or as a person who loves the hymns, I get excited when I read the lyrics of a hymn that once said, restore my spirit. Lord, I need to be restored. My heart is weary. Please help me, dear Lord. I stand in need of more strength from your word. Renew my love. Rebuild my faith. Oh, Lord, restore my soul. And if you are like me, you understand that sometimes the lyrics of the hymns are the very things that move us from a place where we are complacent and push us into a place of praise to join in with the hymn writer that once wrote the hymn, connecting it to God and allowing me to move from a place where I thought that I could not receive some things from God and move into a position of realizing that Every good thing and every perfect gift comes from the Lord. That's why we are now in the book of Joel chapter two, because there is something that God promised to give to his people that some of us felt that we could never get. In the book of Joel, we see that there is a promise of restoration that is for the people of Judah as the prophet Joel is making this declaration and this proclamation to the people. My brothers and my sisters and my family and my friends, we are in the book of Joel. And before we move into the context, we have to look into the text. We have to look at the context so that we can separate what God is saying to what God is saying to us right now. Now, we are in the book of Joel, and the book of Joel is a very small book, and I would admonish you to go and read the entirety of this book in your free time, but we are stopping right here at the second book, uh, or the second chapter of the book of Joel. Now, it is it, what's interesting about this particular book is the, Joel is only mentioned once in the entire book. And that's in the superscription, right? We don't know much about this prophet. We don't know who his mama is. We don't know where he came from. We don't know where his family is from. We don't even know when he decided to be a mouthpiece for God. The only thing we do know is that his name is Joel. He is the son of Pethuel, and he has a message of restoration for the people of Judah. My family, if we were to read the text, we would see that, that the prophet Joel has a, a message of, of, of divine intervention with two extremes. On one end of the spectrum, the prophet Joel talks about destruction. And on the other end of the spectrum, the prophet Joel talks about restoration.
And it is my belief, my brothers and my sisters, is that we have to understand where we fall on this spectrum as people of faith in the lives of other people. Are we on the more destructive end of this spectrum or are we on the, the more restorative end of the spectrum, allowing people to see that either destruction is what we offer them or do we offer them restoration? Now, the destruction that is in this text, it is so cruel, it is so vicious, it is so graphic that in the first book of the first chapter of Joel, in the fourth verse, it talks about how vicious these locusts were that offered destruction to the people of Judah. The, the fourth verse says, that which the palmer worm hath left, the locust hath eaten. And that which the locust hath left, the canker worm has eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, the caterpillar hath eaten. This destruction was so vicious that everything that remained was eaten up by the next level of locusts. And if we are being honest with ourselves, sometimes we find ourselves in this position as people of faith more often than not. Sometimes we are going through things in our personal lives that are compounded by other things. And we can adequately join in with the people of all that one says, if it's not one thing, then it's another, right? Sometimes we don't have enough money to pay our bills. And then sometimes they come and turn off our lights. There's one thing that is compounded by another. We are navigating a country that has a poor healthcare system for not only black people, for, but for everybody. And then we get a hospital bill for thousands of dollars. That's one thing that is compounded by something else. Or we are marching through the streets protesting white supremacy, protesting hate, protesting racism, protesting um, um, homophobia. And then there is, uh, we are met by a crowd of anti-maskers. That is one thing being compounded by another. We find ourselves where we have locusts in our lives and we have to see what God is saying from the text to move us from a place where we are constantly worrying about the locusts, about the destruction, and move us to a place where we can see that restoration is possible. And that's why I love faith communities, especially like this one, because you all have a covenant that expresses a collective commitment to deepening relationships, not only with a God who can restore, but for nurturing relationships with people who also play a part in allowing others to access this restoration from God. What I'm trying to say is when you decide to hook up with God, you become a people who join in the work of letting folks access a God who can restore and a God who can give you what you thought you could not get because we serve a God who can do what no other power can do. And as I am heading to my seat, I told you I won't be before you long. There are three things I want to pull from the text that allows us to see that this restoration from God is possible and that you can get from God what you thought you could never get. The first thing, my, 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 my people, my, my, my family, that I want to raise from the text is that this restoration comes from the creator. 
this restoration comes from the creator. And it's right there in the 25th verse that says, and I will restore to you the years that the locust had eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar, the whole worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Now, if I'm being honest, in this verse itself, I find a lot of tension. And what I try not to do behind the sacred desk is answer for God things that I just do not know. So in the text, God promises something that seems to be impossible. He, promise, he promises to restore unto us the years. Now, cars can be restored. Houses can be restored. Money can be restored. Even relationships can be restored. But here God promises to restore back to us time. He restores back to us the years that we have lost because of what the locusts have come and did in our lives. Now, if you're like me, you're trying to figure out, now, how is God exactly going to do this? And the truth of the matter is, I don't know. I don't know how God is going to restore the time, but I, what I do know is that God will restore the years. I don't know what God is going to do, but I just know that God's word said that God will restore the years. And, 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 and what I know about God is that God has done this before. And I have enough faith and I have enough history with God to know that if God restored before, then God will restore again. Because I know that God has opened a door before, and I am certain that God will open a door again. God has made a way before, and I am certain that God will make a way before. God has protected me before, and I am certain that God will protect me again. God has provided for me before, and I am certain that God will provide again. God can do what no other power can do. God will restore back to you the years that you have lost. I don't know how God is going to do it. I just know that God will restore. That's why the hymn writer says, like a ship that's tossed and driven, battered by an angry sea, when the storms of life are raging and this fury falls on me, I wonder what I have done to make this race so hard to run. Then I say to my soul, take courage. The Lord will make a way somehow. People of faith will know that this restoration comes from the creator. And after we recognize that this restoration comes from the creator, we then can pull from the text that this restoration will frustrate the conniving one. This restoration will frustrate the conniving one. In verse 26, and the B clause, it says, and my people shall never be ashamed. There are people out there 
who saw you lose everything and they laughed at you. There are people out there who saw that you were going through some things and they turned their backs on you. There were people out there who saw you in the midst of trials and tribulations and you had circumstances come up against you and they act like they did not know you. But now that God is going to restore or has restored you, they now have to come back and apologize and say, I'm sorry. And what I know about restoration is when God restores the very things you lost or that time that you lost back to you, it will frustrate the enemy. The enemy does not want to see us whole, doesn't want to see us restored, doesn't want to see us in loving relationships. The enemy doesn't want us to see us prosper, doesn't want, don't want to see us make it, don't want to see us get ahead in life. The enemy does not like when God allows us to be restored. And I would be a fool to believe that the enemy is the only person that is at work in our, in our lives. There are some human hired hands who also play into the scheme of the enemy. But what I know and what I love about God is that this restoration that comes from the creator is the same restoration that will allow the enemy to be frustrated. When you get your life back on track, it's going to frustrate people. When you get your joy back, it's going to frustrate people. When you when you can be in relationship with people who wanted to see you dead better, more than alive, it will frustrate people. That's why the, the, the psalmist in the 27th chapter says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came up upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The wars shall rise against me. And this will I be confident. The enemy is going to fall. But your enemies are going to fall. They will, they, 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 they will fall and they will stumble as the word said. And that will frustrate them because they could not take from you what God has restored back to you. There are some people who said that you would never amount to anything. There are some people who said that you would never be anything, that you're, you're just like you're, 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 no, you're no good daddy. You're just like you're no good mama. But guess what? The God that we serve will restore you back into perfect relationship with people, and that will frustrate people. Have you ever been in a group of folks, and you know that there was somebody there who actually probably did not like you all the way? And they did everything that they could do to try to ruin the relationship you have with other people by going behind your back and saying some things about them. Or maybe you have been that person, right? Because um, there's sometimes that there's, I'm gonna be honest, there's some people that I just do not like. And we ain't gonna like everybody, right? So sometimes there will be people who will do very conniving things in order to, 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 to tarnish your relationship with other folks. That's just them being frustrated because you can be in their presence and still smile. You can be in their presence and still have joy. You can be in their presence and still be at peace. Mm 
This restoration is from the creator. This restoration frustrates the conniving one. And the third thing we can pull from the text is that this restoration is for the community. This restoration is for everybody. It is in that 28th verse that says, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. This restoration is for everybody. And before I go to my seat, I just want us to, to, to take a look at this. When we move into a place of restoration, we now have a duty to allow other people to see that this restoration is possible. When we receive this restorative work from the Lord, we have an obligation to let everyone see our restored selves. Let me put it this way. If you were once, and there are some conversations around folks can, can, can no longer be racist or no longer be homophobes, and I'm against that, that school of thought. There are people who have done the repair work internally and have fixed relationships externally that the very beliefs that they had before, they do not have anymore. There are some folks who I grew up with who were homophobic. And now that they have done the work of understanding the, the fullness of everybody and the, and the love of God, they have moved away from their homophobic ideology and moved into a place where they can show love to everyone, regardless of who they are. And once you have become restored, you now have an obligation, or we now have an obligation to push our restored selves into the front lines so that folks can see that restoration is possible. That's why we are gathering here, because this is a place where we take a little more strength for this journey of restoration. We come each week to worship, to be restored some more, to learn some more, to grow some more, to be with each other and be in community with folks who are also learning and also growing and also trying to be restored so that we can let other people know that this restoration is possible for them too. Our testimony of restoration will be the very thing that allows other people to see our good works and glorify God who is in heaven. Our testimony of restoration will be the very thing that allow people to see who we are, who we once were, who we are now, and come into a fake relationship with God. Our journey of restoration, because we don't get restored overnight. It is a journey to get towards restoration. Our journey of restoration is the very thing that people need to see to know that God is a restoring God. A friend of mine said a few years ago on Facebook that scientists believe that when birds sing in the morning is that they are letting their mates know that they have made it through another night. And that's the reason why we sing. And that's the reason why we preach. 
And that's the reason why we gather in worship, to let folks know that we are still here because of the restorative work that God has done in our lives. And when we move as a faith community, as a people who have been restored, we let other folks know that we are still here as Manhattan Mennonite Fellowship to let other people know that restoration is possible. There are so many black folks who are living in this world who believe that they could not get the very thing they lost. There are so many of us here who believe that we could not get back the things that we thought we could not get. And, and God is showing us that even though we did not think that we can be restored, that God is giving us that restoration. And as I go to my seat, I want to leave you with these few things. As we move away from this mindset that we cannot get what we lost or we cannot get back or we, the, we cannot get the things that we lost, I'm here to let you know that our God can give you exactly what you thought you couldn't have, what you thought you shouldn't have, what you thought you would never have, and what people thought that you thought that they could not allow see you with. You can be restored because the God that we serve can give you joy unspeakable. The God that we serve can give you peace like a river. The God that we serve can give you a heart of contentment. The God that we serve can give you love unconditional. The God that we serve can give you faith that can move mountains. The God that we serve can give you hope that removes all doubt. The God that we serve can give you the forgiveness that you stand in need of. The God that we serve can give you exactly what you thought you could not get. The God that we serve can allow you to see that a miracle is possible for you. The God that we serve can allow you to hold things that were intangible. The God that we serve can help you to see things that are invisible. The God that we serve can give you exactly what you need. Guess what, family? Restoration is possible. And you can get exactly what you thought you could not get because we serve a God who can do what no other power can do. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. And we thank God who can restore back to us the very things that we thought we could not get back.